Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Blazers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Brian Wheeler. What a first week we've had. We started out on Monday with Trailblazers head coach Terry Stotts, followed it up on Wednesday with Danny Morang and the Blazers Outsiders, and we finished the week with a big-time, big-time guest. We had to build up to this. We couldn't just put him in one or two. We had to really <laughs> make sure that we had some build-up to bring you, because now he lasts you the whole weekend. He gets the longest uh, airplay of anybody. And we're speaking, of course, of my longtime friend and uh, companion and also one of the best broadcasters of any sport, certainly uh, qualifies in terms of the NBA. That's where everybody is most familiar with him, former TV voice of the Trailblazers. We want to catch up with him and find out what he's been doing. That, of course, would be Kevin Calabro. Casey, wonderful to talk with you again. Wheels, it's always great to break bread with you, my friend. It's great to hear your voice, see your smiling face, and know that uh, you've got a podcast now. You're communicating and you're intermingling with the fans of Portland and around the world, literally around the world, sharing love to the masses and knowledge and wisdom. That's a good combination. And uh, when I was uh, kind of asking some people, you know, who who should be guests that I should try to uh, aspire to have on the podcast uh, to a man, everybody had right at the top of the list to have you on as soon as possible, oh. right on what's going on, what's been happening, <laughs> because as we know, uh, people had, uh, had, had, had just gotten used to the fact that you were the television voice of the, uh, of the Blazers, uh, being the great health that you're in and uh, as young as you are, there were going to be a lot of years of, uh, of having you in that role. Everybody thought, of course, then the pandemic hits and everybody has to make decisions about the best way to handle that for their own health, for the health of their family, their friends and so forth. And you had to make a very tough decision that I know you wrestled with uh, to step away from your role with the trailblazers. Talk about what, what all went into that and, um, and if today you feel it was a decision that, that you feel was the right one to do as you look back on yeah. it. Well, uh, I'm glad you asked. Um, go back to March uh, when the word came out from Utah involving the Thunder and the Jazz, everything that went on that night with the game being canceled, uh, Gobert getting tested, the Jazz, the Thunder, all their personnel getting tested, uh, traveling media, everyone that was in that building. That's when the gravity of it kind of hit for me. Uh, Obviously, a a nursing home in Kirkland, Washington was hit extremely hard. That was tragic. And that went down uh, in in late February, early March. Uh, Those deaths attributed to this this mysterious virus that was was spreading and, and hitting our shores. So that quickly got our attention because my daughter I uh, was working at a boys and girls club, not 10 miles from that, that nursing home in Kirkland. And so we were very aware of my wife's uh, avocation, uh, her vocation uh, in her former life was as a nurse, intensive care nurse. So she's seen a lot of this stuff go on and uh, she certainly was concerned about it. Uh, we were supposed to play Memphis the next night there in Portland. We were going to play Houston that weekend. Um, those games obviously canceled. That's when it hit home. And then I remember going to my local uh, Safeway up there on Terwilliger Avenue and remember just the run on food and toilet paper and cleansers. And, and, you know, that 
impacted me a little bit as well. Just being out, you know, in the real world and seeing all these things go on. And I'm not a guy that scares easy. I do. Uh, some people might say some crazy stuff. You know, I love to, I love to ski. I love to hike. Uh, I love to get up in the mountains. I, you know, I do downhill biking. I downhill skiing. Uh, you know, I'm into some, some stuff that some people would say is, uh, uh, you know, a little dangerous. So I, you know, I'm not an overly cautious person. But as things began to gain traction and we headed toward June and I could see as, uh, the first spike and then the second spike coming on and the uncertainty of the vaccine at that time uh, in early June, I remember the authorities saying that they didn't think a vaccine was coming until at least 18 months down the pike. And to be honest with you, I didn't have a great deal of confidence in the people that were uh, sailing the ship at that time. Um, you know, I conferred with the Blazers and I tried to keep them up to speed on my thoughts and so forth. We had a week from, or I should say a month before the reopening of the league. And I decided that I needed to give them as much time as I could. And so rather than pushing forward, and the great unknown for me was, are we going to travel? Are we going to be in buildings? You know, what kind of environment are we going to have? Are there going to be fans there without a vaccine and so forth? You know, I was a little bit trending a little older, 63 at the time. So I took all those things into consideration and, you know, wheels, I've done a gazillion games. I've been in the league a long time. I've, you know, I've seen it, done it. Uh, I still love it. Uh, it's a great passion doing basketball, but I just decided, you know, I've got a grandchild on the way. Uh, you know, my wife and I are a little bit on that older side, you know, mid sixties. Now uh, this might be a good time to step aside and, you know, if things do clear up, I'm always an optimist. I thought, you know, if things do clear up, then, you know, there's always going to be an opportunity to jump back in somewhere, whether it be college or pro or basketball, football, whatever it might be. So, uh, you know, it was a tough decision, no question. And believe me, I've wrestled over that decision since that time because, like you mentioned, you know, we were in our fourth year on the broadcast. Things are really coming together on the broadcast with Lamar and Brooke and and all the guys and Michael and, and Jordan and, you know, and, and everybody that was there. Uh, and I dearly love Dame and love the team and certainly Stotts and I go back a long time. So it was tough. I mean, I, I made those phone calls to everybody and, and reached out by email and so forth to everyone just to let them know this was, this has nothing to do with me not liking what I'm doing or the organization and so forth. This was just kind of a, a sacrifice that I made to the family because the family has made so many sacrifices to me. I mean, I, I've lost track of the number of days I've been out of town for birthdays, holidays, funeral, you know, funerals, whatever it might be. We, we make sacrifices like everybody else when we do this job. And I just decided, you know, this would be a good year to just shut it down and hang out. And, you know, thankfully, the, the baby was born, our first granddaughter, Lenny, to Anthony and Stephanie, my son Anthony and his great wife, Stephanie, who we just love dearly. And they, they've been trying so hard to have a baby and finally had the baby uh, uh, February 21st. We were able, actually, because we were vaccine, Sue and I, my wife, to actually go indoors and spend indoors uh, the first week of her life indoors with her when she came home from the hospital. So, that's great. you know, I look back at all that, I thought, you know, it's a sacrifice well made. And gosh, now we've got a vaccine. And I think, you know, people are, you know, knock on wood, are, are optimistic about uh, about our future. And it sounds like the NBA arenas are, the NBA arenas to an extent have been open. Some of them, some of them like Utah, I think they're getting about 6,000 a night. Uh, Oklahoma City just announced that they're shutting it completely down. 
my guess is that at some time in this spring, maybe before the playoffs, the Blazers allow some people in. So, um, you know, we're starting to see a little light. That's good. So I heard the other day it was 21 out of 30 NBA teams that are at least allowing some folks into the building. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's a very, very, very cautious approach. And everybody's probably doing it to, a little bit differently, maybe not a universal way sure. of, of, of how they're handling things, depending, of course, on what uh, is happening with uh, that state and how how uh, things are going with the pandemic and the and the vaccines and so forth. So it's probably a, a tricky element to uh, you know to predict. But uh, but as you say, uh, hopefully slowly but surely we're getting back to some semblance of uh, of normal life. Um, was there any one, one particular thing? I mean, you mentioned going to the store and seeing the, the rush on, you know, on, on, on toilet products and so forth, but, but was there any one thing, because as you mentioned, you were thinking about getting ready as, as normal to continue on with the season games coming up and so forth and preparation for those games. Was there any one thing that said, Hey, wait a minute, maybe I got to slow down and, and think about, uh, cause your mind was, I'm sure as, as it is for everybody that's connected with a, a team that plays a season, you're looking at the next game, you're looking at the next week. Um, you're looking at the calendar, what games are ahead, what's our next road trip and so forth. So what, what maybe paused your thinking to the point of saying, maybe I got to uh, shift gears here and maybe getting ready for that next game all of a sudden is not my greatest priority. Well, you know, uh, I, again, I think it was just seeing that, uh, situation in Salt Lake city unfold, you know, just before the tip, I mean, they're, they're walking out to, to throw the ball into the air and get going. You know, and suddenly an official comes out on the floor and, and they're clearing everybody out of the gym. I mean, you know, that's when the seriousness of it, uh, you know, the heaviness of it kind of hit me, uh, to be honest with you, in, in regards to what it meant for us in basketball. Because, you know, you, you just naturally, like you say, you're looking forward to the next game, the next season, the next month, whatever it might be. I thought, wow, what is this going to mean? You know, what is this going to mean for us and for our business? And, you know, I'm, I'm still not sure there's an answer. You know, we're all just kind of feeling it out as we go. But certainly things are going to change, I think, in arena. No question. Yeah, And so things we, will change. Yeah. In terms of broadcasting, too, Wheels, I mean, they, they may have broadcasters doing these games from home, which is interesting because I've, I've always said, I think I could do these games from the couch at my home. Well, guess what? <laughs> maybe you better maybe watch out what you wish for. That's right. I, I, I keep saying that things have come full circle. Remember when we were, when we were kids and we turned on the sound on the TV and uh, and, and try to broadcast a game, you know, without uh, without sound. You know, we're kind of getting back to that point now. All of a sudden, we're, we're, we're kind of doing it that way again. We maybe have a nicer screen to look at and maybe some fancier yeah. equipment, but essentially, it's the same concept. It is. I mean, we're still wearing our pajamas and, you know, eating stuff. We're doing. You know, a lot of these guys are. <laughs> you don't have to put makeup on or anything. It's just, you know, so there's some good things about this. I That's mean, right. I, I, I will say there are times when I'm watching a game and maybe it's the skill of the people involved. We know a lot of very talented people that are, are, are doing these broadcasts, but there are times where I kind of have to remind myself that they aren't at the building. I mean, they're doing such yeah. a good job and maybe to some extent, uh, you know, they, they, I remember talking to, you mentioned games coming up that game, that home game against Houston, that was, that was supposed to be, I guess it was, would have been the second game that would have been canceled for, from the Blazers perspective after the league shut down, that was going to be a Sunday afternoon national TV game. That would have been a game that actually right. you, you wouldn't have done, but, uh, but there was going to be a national TV game. Uh, ABC was going to be in town. It was going to be Nurkic's return. And right. I actually was going to get a chance to do my first ever game. 
uh, for ESPN National Radio uh, because that was yeah. Selection Sunday in uh, in college basketball, and so many of their regular guys were off doing conference tournaments and so forth. And so I was really excited about the chance to, they said, you know, do you think you can do the game? And I said, well, I think I know where the building is still. And I, 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 I think I know some of the personnel involved. I, I mean, it would have been a great atmosphere. <laughs> and, and, I, and so I'm prepping, getting excited. They're, they're telling me I'm going to do the game with Michael Smith, our, our, our friend from, yeah. uh, from the Clippers broadcast days and so forth. I was talking to the producer about it. And so it, uh, it was very exciting. And then to have that, uh, you know, pulled out at the last second, I was kind of like, shoot, that was, but I remember talking to the ESPN people and they said, at that point, they didn't know what the future was going to hold, but they said, we envision that there's going to probably be some games that will be done uh, off-site and in a studio somewhere. Yep. And and the, the producer that I was talking to said, we hope we do a very good job, but we don't want to do such a good job that, that, that they take away <laughs> yeah. the live aspect of having people on-site to do games. Because he said, I've talked to enough, uh, you know, money folks, uh, accounting types that uh, – in the organization that often have said, do we really need to pay this type of person to be there? And then I'll explain how the broadcast would suffer if there wasn't some, and usually be technical people, he said, but, uh, but they kind of gave in. Okay. If you say so, but, but he said, I, I can, I can sense that there's a lot of people looking at budgets and so forth that would say, well, if we don't have to pay per diem and send, uh, you know, these high salary uh, broadcasters out to do games, then, uh, you know, then we could save a lot of money. And all of a sudden that bottom line looks, you know, looks pretty good. So, so I, I think you're right. It, it's to be determined how things are going to be long-term. We have seen uh, some games where people have been at the, uh, at the arenas, but, uh, but it's still very different uh, kind of, you know, in glass partitions and away from the court yeah. and so forth. And, and they're not sure when an official makes a call, what it, what it's all about. But, but I'm curious when things get back to normal, you don't have to worry so much about uh, being, you know, within six feet of somebody, uh, are there going to be some changes that are in place right now that may just stay that way? Yeah, I, again, the great unknown, I think the vaccination uh, effort though, and the program uh, certainly alleviates a lot of the, for me anyway, a lot of the anxiety and a lot of the anguish involved. Because uh, I think you can now confidently with the vaccine go in there knowing that you've really reduced the chances of serious illness and so that allows, uh, it would allow somebody like for me, for example, and everybody's got to make their individual choice, but it would allow me, for example, to go in that environment and feel like, you know, uh, given the protocol that they'd have in place, which I assume that, you know, there would be some mask wearing and distancing and so forth. And like you say, maybe some plexiglass partitioning and that kind of thing, but it would allow somebody like me to go in there and just feel free to, you know, Hey, let's, let's crank it up. Let's, let's, let's get it on and, and let's go. I'm just amazed though wheels at the players with, particularly with this compressed schedule, and there's been some discussion of that as well about maybe it, it manifests itself in some injuries. And, you know, we saw a lot of conversation uh, along those lines after Jamal Murray had that injury that he did just, uh, just awful injury uh, that may or may not sidetrack the, the Denver Nuggets, but, and Jokic is having an MVP type year, but there's been a lot of discussion about the compression of that schedule being as it is where you're playing essentially every other night, uh, with a few days, you know, for traveling between locations, just like the Blazers, you know, relocating to play Charlotte after being at home for a couple. Um, is that leading to to injuries and, and so forth? But, you know, we're on that we're on that track now. We're headed that way. Uh, and we'll be getting into the, the, the playoff phase. What I think it's May 22nd, I think, is when the first round yeah. starts about. So I just have a great deal of appreciation for the players, you know, what they've achieved. And what the league has achieved with so few of these cases, uh, you know, being involved. But as we know, 
you know, this is, uh, this is something certainly to, to take, uh, uh, with a great deal of respect, the bug I'm talking about, uh, and, and catching it, you know, it was interesting at Jason Tatum after the, uh, hitting that big three pointer against the Blazers in the post game, talked about his need to use a, a, uh, an inhaler before the games, uh, because he had, uh, contracted COVID a couple of months prior to that. And I was still using an inhaler. And this is somebody that's, you know, tip top shape, what, 22, 23 years old, uh, world-class athlete in his prime having to use an inhaler. So, uh, you know, it's something that definitely the players are, uh, cognizant of, but you know, they also love to apply their cra- their craft and they want to get paid. You know, we, we all, <laughs> we all want to get paid as well. So, you know, my hat's off to these guys playing through uh, some, some tough circumstances, no question. The great Kevin Calabro is with us on this edition of the Believe in Blazers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Brian Wheeler. Uh, so how, uh, how are you able to keep up with the Trailblazers? And if you are, uh, your thoughts on uh, the season to this point? Well, Wheels has been tough because, you know, like we've experienced, you and I, uh, with the club the last, you know, three years, you, of course, go back uh, 25 years. Um, I uh, I just think that the injuries, certainly to Nurkic, uh, when Hood was on the roster, him having to come back from what could have been a catastrophic injury. CJ, of course, going down, what, 16 games into the season, I think it was. It just, it, it just worked against these you know these guys coming together as as a as a squad and then of course adding the two key guys that they did uh you know Covington and Jones it makes it difficult for them too to kind of find a niche uh you know there was the thought that maybe Collins would come back but that's another injury that has set them back so you know they're back to where they have been it seems like the last couple of years with these injuries that have cropped up during the season trying to reformulate and come together late in the season against a tough schedule. Um, you know, their record, obviously, against these teams and the, 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 the high echelon teams, you know, they've, they've lost, what, eight of the last nine ball games. So, uh, and the schedule gets tougher for them. They've got a couple of games, winnable games on the road coming up. You know, Charlotte is a, is a team that's just nicked up and with ball out, with Gordy Hayward out. You know, that's a chance to, to get it right, certainly for the Blazers coming up. And then, but they come home against the the Clippers after the two on the road. So that's kind of what I'm seeing overview is, is Damian Lillard Lillard having an MVP type year, CJ working his way back into the mix, a couple of new guys working their way into the mix. Carmelo has really played extremely well. And as Cantor has played extremely well, but you know, those two guys are great offensive players, but they're just, they are defensive liabilities. I don't know how else to put it. And so, um, their, their defense certainly has been suspect without question. Uh, they're going to have to outscore teams. The West is awfully rugged. And right now it just comes down to, you know, trying to avoid, say, the Clippers in the first round or so forth. Uh, but, you know, the, the Lakers may be there. So <laughs> there's nobody you're going to be able to sleep on come playoff time. Just in the last few days, uh, the surprising announcement, considering that he had just found a new home uh, and was on a team that uh, was going to be a serious title contender, um, Marcus Aldridge goes to Brooklyn. Uh, seemed like he had already started to contribute for them, but then makes a difficult decision of his own for his health and decides that it's time to retire. The irregular heartbeat has uh, become yeah. an issue again. And so so he calls it quits after a very productive career, certainly the majority of his time uh, in Portland during uh, his the first phase of his career. Uh, Damien has gone on record as saying that he believes that 
Lamarcus's uh, number 12 should be retired in the rafters of uh, Moda Center. Um, how do you feel about his career? Uh, what can be said about it? He never got a chance to play for a championship. We know that sometimes that's held against uh, guys when they yeah. look at, uh, uh, you know, when they look back at somebody's career, maybe that's fair, maybe that isn't, but, uh, but how do you feel about the career he had and where he stands maybe among the great blazers of all time? I know obviously his parting was not uh, a happy one when he left the team, but, but, if, but I think if you take the uh, emotion out of it, clearly you'd have to say he was a great contributor for a lot of years to this franchise. I don't think there's any question, you know, uh, a lot has been written, of course, since he made the announcement about his, his time in Portland. And so much was made of that incredible uh, shot that Damian Lillard hit to, to, to beat Houston in the playoffs some years ago. And a great call that you had, you were there ringside, but, you know, leading up to, and including that game, he had some just monster games. I mean, this is a guy's capable of putting 30 and 15 boards uh, on, on, on the, on the stat sheet on any given night. And in particular in that series, just had some huge games, including that game uh, could have probably been the, you know, the MVP of that game and maybe that series, um, you know, just from looking afar at his game to me, you know, big man that could get that ball back to the basket, mid block, spin face up, hit that jump shot or put it on the deck and go to the rim. Had a lot of spring, incredible length. Uh, the ability to, to just erase you on the glass offensively, get that offensive rebound, you know, this, that ability, that second effort that he would always make at, at, on the offensive glass, uh, the defensive rebounding, certainly in the quick outlet. I mean, he just, gosh, I just remember how long, like you say, and springy and athletic he was getting up and down the floor in his prime. You know, he'd have to, I think, from afar, I think you'd have to put him in the top 10 of Blazers all time, you know, in terms of retiring the number, I, you know, I'll leave that up to people that make those decisions, but uh, he certainly one is, you know, to me is one of the greatest Blazers of all time. Uh, and, you know, he kind of led him into the modern era. You know, he was, he was there for Damian Lillard when he needed him, you know, growing up and formulating and, and, and developing his game in the laboratory and, you know, to look over there and, and realize you've got this guy with a great talent that he did. You know, it was just it, uh, just unfortunate. You know, you, I hear a lot of stories. I'm not a confidant of LaMarcus Aldridge's by any means. Uh, but just to hear reporters tell the story and, and, and other people around him, it was just unfortunate sometimes that ego gets involved and maybe some miscommunication got involved and so forth. And, and him feeling that maybe he was, you know, the second banana or so forth. And there was that wasn't uh, equanimity uh, uh, among among people and, and among teammates, but boy, I, uh, I, I would have to think that, you know, there's no way that Damian Lillard would allow that to happen. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, I think LA just took it that way. And then, you know, my read on it was he had sons down in, uh, down in Dallas from Texas. And, and so that opportunity comes around in life to, you know, to be closer to home. You know, I don't, I don't fault him for making that decision at all, but, uh, it's just unfortunate 15 years in the league. And like you say, that, that heart condition goes back to his early days as a pro. Uh, but the guy knows his body as well as anybody. And, and so, you know, I, I understand that making that decision for health, for health reasons. And I, I applaud him and look, and look forward to, you know, maybe a, a, a relationship now developing again with the Blazers that I think would be, would be good for both parties. 
Well, in the last year or so, he had talked about uh, maybe a desire to end his career in, in Portland, if that was possible. And so, right. I, so I think it, you know, time passed, and I think, um, you know, he, uh, I, I think he, he remembered some uh, his best days really uh, in the NBA were in Portland, and he came in, you know, from an intangible standpoint, he came in with Brandon Roy at a time when uh, the franchise was. Uh, maybe yep. being looked at as uh, as not necessarily always having the best guys in the world from uh, not just a basketball standpoint, but maybe, uh, you know, out of the community and so forth. And these guys really came in at a time that um, the franchise needed good players that were also good guys. And they stepped in and, and were both of those. Brandon obviously kind of became uh, the Batman to, to LaMarcus's Robin. And there was a thought that maybe that's all LaMarcus could be. And then when Brandon, uh, unfortunately, injuries cut short his career, Lamarcus stepped up and showed he could be the Batman. And so uh, when Damien came in, and I think Damien was very content and understood as uh, the guy that was new to the scene that, uh, hey, even if I do some things well, Lamarcus is still the man here. And I think he always uh, was very good to, uh, to, to give Lamarcus the plaudits that, uh, that he deserved and maybe more so. And maybe it was a sensitivity thing at, at times that uh, – now that uh, Lamarcus thought, well, here I here I go again. Maybe uh, you know here's another guy who's getting more attention than I am, and maybe it got to be a sensitivity thing at times. But I'm, I don't think it ever took away from his uh, his contributions. And as you say, that that series against Houston, he had two 40 point games to help the Blazers win the first two games on the road in that series to enable them to have yeah. the dramatic of, uh, of of Damian shot to win the entire series. So so I think yeah, I think anybody looked at it objectively. Uh, you know, Damian and Brandon might have embraced the uh, role of being the out front uh, vocal leader and the person that communicated with the media and the fans a little bit more. But um, I think anybody internally understood how how much of a contributor the Marcus was to uh, the overall uh, success of uh, of the franchise at that at that time. That's for sure. Um, let me ask you this: uh, So, what what are you what do your days consist of now that you don't have basketball games at least for the time being to get ready for? Well, we're uh, living over at Lake Chelan, Washington. We bought a place here back in 06, one of the smartest things that we did. Uh, it's a, it's a three bedroom house. It's got a, a small swimming pool on the back uh, and it drops straight off. Uh, and plunges about a thousand feet with state plan on our deck and look right out to the mountains and look right out to Lake Chelan. It's a, it's a beautiful and unique lake in that it's 1400 feet deep at its deepest point, which is 43 miles up Lake. It's 55 miles long and it's about a mile and a half at its widest point. So it's a fjord in essence wheels, a fjord spelled F J O R D. Yeah. I would have had that one a good spelling B word right there. F J. Yeah, it would. It'd be good for crosswords. I know you don't play the crosswords. I do. No, so I play I, crosswords. I, you play the New York Times crossword. You play the you play the heavy duty <laughs> stuff. I play the you know I play the, the local the local paper. But the, but you you go right to you right to the heavy duty because I've I've given you many a newspaper coming off the plane. Uh, that I, said, I said I can't get these words in here. You you do them in no time. So but when when you're training as the New York Times one that that prepares you for just about anything else. I think the FJ words well, it, of, of of our of our land. <laughs> we got a lot of time on our hands is what we're saying uh, but it, it's a gorgeous place you know we love it uh it's uh, it was gouged out by the glaciers and uh, uh it's uh it's dry and hot in the summer and in the winter it doesn't get real cold i mean not like single digit chicago indiana weather which is where we're from 
but you know, we do get a, a, a good bit of snow, but it's, it's, um, it's just a lovely place. We just really enjoy it. It's three hours from Seattle. It's five hours from Portland. So, you know, it's, a, it's very drivable without question. And, um, and so that's, that's where we've been hanging out. Sue and I have been hanging out here and, you know, we've got four kids in Seattle and they make the trip back and forth. In fact, we've got a house full this weekend. They're coming over and uh, we're, we're just having a good time, just enjoying ourselves, uh, you know, here at the lake. So, you know, our, uh, yeah, our daily routine, you know, involves just uh, being outdoors as much as possible. We've been doing a lot of hiking. We've been snowshoeing, cross-country skiing. We'll do a lot of biking this time of year. We'll get out on our bikes and, 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 and head around the lake and so forth. Um, it's an interesting location because it's so remote uh, in that the roads, I mentioned it's 55 miles long. The roads only extend to 25 miles. And then it's just a series of, of forestry roads in the middle of nowhere. Uh, there are a few homes that are off the grid past 25 miles, but you, you just really won't see anything uh, as, you, as you head up lake until there's a small village at the end of the lake called Stahican, which then will lead you to the North Cascades Wilderness and the Pacific Coast Trail winds its way through uh, the backside of Stahican. And it's a village of about, oh, I'd say a thousand people uh, during the summer. And they maybe uh, it drops down to about 500 people during the winter, but it's... Um, it's as, you know, in this day and age, in this modern world of ours, it's, uh, it's probably as remote as you can get. So I leave you with this. Uh, if they haven't already, the networks are going to be calling uh, other teams uh, in the NBA. <laughs> uh, we, we know that there is always the hope uh, for all of us in the Northwest that Seattle will get a uh, NBA team again sometime soon, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, what might the future hold for you? You're far too young to be retiring. You're far too talented to be retiring. Yeah. So, so uh, do you sit back and look at the opportunities as they come? Do you be aggressive in trying to find them? Uh, um, are you content to stay where you're at until such opportunity may arise? Uh, what uh, Have you even thought about how you might plot out your next big move? Well, you know, I, you know I've reached out to some people and, uh, you know, the reaction has been good. Um, a lot of folks going back to the, uh, in our original, uh, beginning of our conversation, um, a lot of people just don't know what is next in their, in their industry or in their business. So, um, they're a little uncertain about, okay, you know, I'm not sure I can commit to you, um, because we're not sure we're going to be flying people to these events. Um, so, but the reception's been good. You know, people have, they, they know, they know all my work and you know, they've, they've heard the work over the years and so forth. These as like, you like you would know, I mean, these jobs are tough to get. Uh, they don't open up often. And so you just have to be patient. And so uh, for me, uh, I'm in a position where I could take uh, a package of 10 games or a package of 60 games and be totally happy. Uh, to me, it's just about applying the craft, just doing the job and being able to get out there and say, you've done some games. Um, you know, I've had some high schools that have come to me with some interesting uh, propositions. Uh, high school basketball would be, I think, a guess. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so, uh, but, you know, for the time being, I've just, I've just shut it down, uh, to be honest with you. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to let you know, whatever happens happen and try not to push it uh, because I've, I've found that when you do that uh, you drive yourself nuts you just got to let things happen 
uh, just put the word out and then sit back and, and see what happens. Well, I know uh, you, uh, you uh, do not hesitate to, uh, to tweet and to uh, give your opinions on things that are happening uh, in the sports world or in the world in general. So tell everybody how they can follow you on Twitter. Uh, yeah, my, uh, my hashtag is, uh, wheels. What is my hashtag? I'm not sure. <laughs> I can tell you in a second. I didn't know I had to, I had to look that up, but I, you know, it's one of where when you know, somebody's like in your cell phone, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you most people's phone number, but I know how to find, you know, how to find it. But let me see. Cause I don't, I know it's at K Calabria. I'm always on it, but, uh, you know, cause I follow a lot of people. And, uh, and really enjoy that little gizmo. It's, it's really interesting. I've got to check myself, though. I've got a, 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 a pretty good filter. Sometimes I get a little emotional. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, the other night I was tweeting about the perfect game that was going yes, on. Yes, you were. In fact, I, I texted you, hey, Wheels, yes. if you're not aware, that he's got a perfect game going. It's, uh, it's in the oh, sixth it's, or seventh. You're, you're easy. At Kevin Calabro. Couldn't be any easier than that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been, it's been fun, you know, following a game like that and tweeting about that and so forth. And, you know, the last perfect game was Felix Hernandez uh, back in 2012. And I thought Rodan was going to get it. He had what, two outs in the ninth wheels. And then yeah. he threw the, he threw that. And of all things, it's, you know, a, it's a guy in a foot. Cutter, slider. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, afterwards they talked about it, uh, in studio and yeah. I kind of agree with uh, Pedro Martinez that. Maybe he wasn't throwing his best pitch at that, that particular moment. Maybe he's trying to be a little sly, and and you kind of hate to think that you lose out on something really special. Maybe not given, you know, giving it your your best opportunity. Yeah. But uh, but you know who knows? You still got a no hitter out of it. It was a nice consolation, as it turns out. But uh, this was a guy that uh, wasn't sure he had you know baseball future. So it was a great story that he was able to put a game like that uh, like that together. Right. So. Um, I, I said, I, I said, I'd already asked you the last question, but, the, but, uh, but since you keep track of this and try to stay close to the situation as much as is possible, um, how soon do you think it'll be before we have Seattle supersonics basketball again? Yeah, I, with the building opening up as it is this fall and the kind of people involved, there, really smart people, the Iwikis, Bonderman, Bruckheimer, um, the Amazon, some of the Amazon people, Microsoft people involved in that project, the Ackerley family involved with that project. I mean, these are really people that are plugged into professional sports, plugged into NBA basketball, plugged into Seattle. They really know Seattle extremely well. It's a great building. Uh, the Kraken, I think, are going to do extremely well. They're going to be well run. Ron Francis is a, a, a guy that I've been following as a player, general manager, and so forth for years. And, you know, I'm just kind of a casual hockey guy, but I know this guy's really good. Uh, so he's going to make some some terrific decisions when it comes to personnel. So I, I think they're going to hit it out of the park in Seattle. So hockey's going to be terrific. The building's going to be great. Um, and I, you know, I'd give that uh, situation a couple of years uh, to get things ironed out in the building. Not that they're going to be any, you know, uh, there's going to be any looseness because believe me, these guys are going to, they're going to have it nailed when they go into the building. But I think once that happens and people get a load of what's going on in Seattle with the hockey, I think that, I think the NBA, they're already, like Adam Silver said a few months ago, kind of dusting off plans for a uh, an expansion. I think you could safely say within the next five years, it's going to happen maybe three, four years out. Uh, I think that the league would look, uh, look at expansion. Now, obviously, they need to look at the dollars and cents and how that adds up. They've lost a lot of money from gate receipts, 40% of the 
NBA revenue comes from what happens in that arena, whether it be ticket sales, concessions, marketing, whatever. Uh, and so they're missing out on a load of dough and that will be diminished somewhat next year, I think too, because going back to you know, our earlier conversation about reduced crowd size. So there may be a need for that type of revenue, but then on the other hand, you got guys like, you know, Mark Cuban and says, wait a minute, let's, let's think about the long term. You know, we're going to be giving up uh, 132nd of the television revenue eventually on this deal. And that, that you know, that, that will diminish uh, the, the amount that owners get moving down, projecting down further down. The road, but I'm, you know, these are these are smart money guys and gals. I'm sure they'll figure it out. It's a tremendous market. I think it would be great for Portland, uh, you know, to renew that, Absolutely. renew that rivalry. Um, the I five rivalry, baby, was you know one of the greats. So, I'm, you know, I'm like everybody else. I'm optimistic that once they get this building up and running with the hockey, uh, basketball is really going to sit up and take notice, and it's going to be a very attractive market. KC, we could go on forever uh, talking about uh, old times. Yes, we could. And what, uh, and we didn't even get to some of our best stories, which may or may not be suitable for podcast uh, listening. I'm not sure, but uh, but we may uh, explore things. We know that uh, we're going to have you on again. We certainly aren't going to wait too long. Now that we know what you've been doing, uh, we can we've gotten that information out of the way, and we can always talk about uh, current events or go back and look at uh, maybe some past events a little further in the past the next time we visit. But Good to hear your voice. Good to see you. You look great. You sound great. And um, I hope that we are hearing and seeing you back uh, in uh, in our in our media availability sometime soon. But uh, but I'm glad to hear that you're healthy and uh, that the family's doing well. Please say hi to everybody. And uh, thanks again for being our guest today. Will, it's always a pleasure, my brother. I, I love you, man. And I, I wish you the best in your new enterprise. The one and only Kevin Calabro. We appreciate his participation in our Final edition in our first week of the Believe in Blazers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Have a terrific weekend. We'll be back at you with a new week of podcast surrounding the Trailblazers. We'll be uh, analyzing the two road games coming up this weekend at San Antonio and at Charlotte. We'll recap those and also have great guests for you next week, starting on Monday with our next edition of this outstanding podcast. Until then, I'm Brian Wheeler. So long, everybody. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.